Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I am Helen. I'm an improviser. Hi, Helen. <laughs> okay, you're with friends. I've been showing off now for six years. <laughs> <laughs> Rusty Quill presents Enthusiasm. Hello, friends and fans, and welcome to Enthusiasm, the show where we talk about a few of our favourite things. I'm your host, Helen Gould, one of the best Rusty Quillers, and today we're talking about the art of improv, and I am beyond delighted to be joined by Gabriel, Lydia and Tim. As always, we shall introduce ourselves alphabetically. So, uh, Gabriel, what are your pronouns and what do you do? 
Uh, hi, I am Gabriel Garcia. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, and I do uh, tech support things for Rusty Quill. Excellent. And very good you are, t- too. Helped me out many a time. I try my best. And Lydia, what are your pronouns and what do you do? Hello, uh, my pronouns are she, they, and I do various characters in Rusty Quill shows. Uh, and I'm most famous, I think, for falling off my chair in Gaming and Giving 2019. <laughs> Uh, so that's my main claim to fame. Uh, other than that, uh, Rusty Cool Gaming, Magnus Archives. Uh, I, I screamed a bit in a cupboard uh, for the one with the werewolves. Inexplicables. Inexplicables. That was it. I screamed in a cupboard, though. It was a short <laughs> uh, guest spot. Um, and I got, I've, I've been doing improv stuff with uh, folks, uh, with well, with James Ross and Bryn, particularly for gosh now it's like 15 years because we were in a group before the show started so it's it's been long times very Uh, long time that and lots of other groups i did puppet improv for a while that was fun gonna come back to that that sounds great okay all right and then we've got tim what are your pronouns and what do you do uh, hello, my name is Tim Meredith. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. Um, I am a co-creator and uh, one of the stars of Stella Firma. Just finished its third season. There's bonus content coming up, but I don't know when this is co- this comes out, so I don't know if I can tell you what it is, but it's very exciting. Um, and I also am an improviser. Uh, I do uh, musical improv with a, a troupe called Do The Thing and regular old long-form improv uh, with a group called Tiny Dynamite. Oh, lovely. Also, I've just realised that I know what the bonus content is Ooh, as well. Oh, it's exciting! Depending on whether or not the logistics work out. Ooh! <laughs> no, I think this will be coming out before that. That's all right then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So let's do a, a little sort of establishing shot of a question, which is um, how did we all get into improv, either as a practitioner or a, an enjoyer? Um, would anyone like to tell us their improv story? I'll, I'll go first. I'm not shy. Okay. <laughs> I'm not shy. How dare you? Um, so I I got into university. Uh, I got into university. I got into university. Step one, get into Way! university. Well done! <laughs> Bam. Bam. Six grand a year. Yes, please. Still paying it off when I'm 30. Oh, and, and some more. Thank you, sir. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, when I went to university, I was very, very shy, deeply shy. Didn't like to talk to people. Bit of a, sh- bit of a, bit of a, a, a well of shame. The shame's still there, but it's now covered. Um, I've covered the well, and what I've covered it with is improv. And I got involved in improv <laughs> at university uh, with the University of Nottingham Improv Society, um, and it sort of all got out of hand from there. Moved down to Brighton, sunny Brighton, which has a really nice improv scene, and and, and got into some groups. But yeah, it was uh, for me. It was mainly a. It's very frightening to talk to other people. So why don't we just turn up the difficulty setting to high so that then regular day-to-day interactions don't feel so frightening. And now I won't shut the f*** up. So it clearly worked. <laughs> I have... I cannot imagine you being shy, Tim. Mm, like, at all. Isn't, what, a, what a distant dream it is now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I wish he was shy. He's still <laughs> singing. We're not laughing. We stopped laughing and he's still singing. Yeah. Oh. Well, I like you as you are now and I'm sure I would have liked you then. <laughs> um, anyone else want to... Yeah, uh, I should just... I feel like I can jump in because it's a, it's a very relatable story. Mm. Uh, 
unlike Tim, uh, well, I did get into university. Congrats. Uh, but I failed the audition for the university improvisers. Oh. So I remember going to watch them quite a bit. I, I remember my audition for it vividly uh, because I thought I had some great jokes. And the problem was that I just kept cracking up so much I couldn't speak. <laughs> um, so I, it wasn't necessarily that I was laughing at my own brilliant hilarity. That was just part of it. Um, mostly I was laughing with nervousness. Ah. Uh, so I, I didn't get in. Uh, I went to see quite a bit of improv, but I didn't, I didn't get in. And then it was about, uh, four or five years later. Um, I saw a Facebook advert, uh, put up by James Ross saying, uh, does anyone want to audition for my improv group? And it just turned out we had a friend in common, who had gone to uh, a different university, but one where we shared uh, a pantomime society. So I had done quite a lot of pantomime as a student, uh, mm. which actually weirdly involves quite a lot of improv, uh, obviously. <laughs> pantomime for our American listeners is uh, like what Shakespeare originally was. So, you yeah. know, uh, it's it's silly costumes, uh, switching, switching up genders and gender roles, uh, making rude comments at the audience um, and audience participation. Uh, and it has about four plots, uh, but they are shown every single year and you go back every year because the jokes are different. But yeah, so just because we had a friend in common, the advert showed up in my feed. So I turned up and I got in. Uh, and I think that the reason I got into that and that I really wanted to do it was for a similar sort of reason to Tim. I, it wasn't necessarily that I was shy, but um, I had been, I spent a long time, like I, I struggled really hard with a lot of social interactions. So I would talk, that was fine. I didn't really understand that I was supposed to be quiet, but I, I really found a lot of like reading other people's emotions difficult and uh, knowing when I was going on about a topic too long, very difficult. Um, and like, I don't know, just everything from timing to repeating yourself enthusiastically over and over until you get the response that you want. Uh, so just keep yeah, trying again and again until they like it. That's the message. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought I would go somewhere where people would pay money to see that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, in a similar sort of way, it's like you, you turn up the difficulty setting, but you do it in a kind of space where you're expected to slightly mess up a few times. And, uh, I already at that point had a, had quite a lot of like tricks up my sleeve of uh, for people that are awkward or struggle. Secret tip: uh, mess up deliberately early on in a conversation, and then laugh it off and be in control. And then when you mess up accidentally later, people like you will have an extra half second, and people will sort of accept it. I even do that now when I'm facilitating large workshops, and uh, it's actually confused people where they're like, I'm running a big corporate kind of workshop thing with lots and lots of people and I'll like I'll mess up the projector slide people and and then laugh about it and then like the next time I run the workshop I'll do the exact same mistake and like people will be like oh what it's part of a script and I'm they like, just stand up and shout fraud yeah yeah it's like <laughs> it's deliberate yeah. like you know you can run through scripts in your head that give you more time and flexibility and other things and that's all mm. what improv does uh, so that was cool. And so I've done that for a long time now. Cool. Tick. <laughs> See, now I know when you're supposed to stop talking. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that. A pause and, you say, and, and, you, and, you say, and you say tick so people know you're finished. Exactly. <laughs> I, I prefer um, done, please. 
Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, next. <laughs> or like in the, what's it, in the hoopla tradition, just like slam the floor and run away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it really upsets Boom, like an scene. optician, but it still works. <laughs> right. Um, now, Gabriel, we were talking before we started recording how uh, you and I are more enjoyers of the art form than yeah. really participants. Um, I mean, I people... I guess I do improv in terms You're of like the You're a professional improviser, Helen. I, yeah, right, right. Cash so money. this is the thing. Cash money, baby. You're paid by the hour. Do you know how many like people for whom improv is their whole identity don't get paid by the hour to do it? <laughs> well, like, I, for me, in my head, I feel like if I am an improviser, then I, I have to be funny. And I... Do, I Despite oh, no. several people telling me I'm funny, I don't think of myself as a funny person. <laughs> um, but people, other people think I am. So, I mean, it, luckily, they're the ones paying, so it's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> right. Ah, aha. Yeah. Uh-huh. Firstly, you are funny. Secondly, it's it's valid to do stuff that doesn't pay you money. I should like. Oh, yeah. flag that. That's very, uh, very valid. Counterpoint. No, unless unless this is a Tim Meredith counterpoint. No, if you're not paid, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's not real. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the first two seasons of Rusty Quill just don't exist. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. No, they don't. No, no. You, you think they <laughs> do? We got an like, advert or whatever. It's it like the Berenstein Bears. There's a bottom line to every piece of it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Gabriel, tell me how you got into improv. Um, yeah, so my uh, improv story is a bit different uh, from these two. Um, I did make it into college, but I didn't actually go. So as a result, I did not end up working with, uh, you know, an actual improv uh, group. But it was something that always interested me. It was like, like, there's comedy and then there's like the scary comedy, which I, <laughs> which is what I pictured as, uh, as improv. Um, but I never, I didn't really start getting into it until one day... Um, all of my friends decided they wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, I was all for it until uh, no one else wanted to DM, because <laughs> mm. that's always how that works. And uh, they handed me all the books and <laughs> said, uh, you're going to make a campaign for us. <laughs> and I said, okay. Um, and we did a short little, a, a very short run that I actually had a lot of fun with, and I decided that I wanted to do things like that more. Um, and when I started working at a game store later in high school uh, slash early college um, or college years, I didn't actually. Um, <laughs> when, when I started working there, there was an opportunity to actually be a, a dungeon master like for the store and run groups for customers and things. Oh, that's cool. So when I saw... Professional dungeon master. Yeah, exactly. So it was real because you were paid. Interesting. <laughs> 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 So when I saw that, uh, I immediately wanted to do that, but uh, I was terrified um, of running games for strangers. Mm. So I ended up actually doing a very short run of improv classes to kind of more, just to get more comfortable with um, doing weird voices and making and and collaborating on weird jokes with strangers. <laughs> um, and it ended up it ended up helping a lot with with that job or that part of that job and. It just continued from there. Um, I still have not joined an improv group, and I don't think I will anytime soon. But it is I uh, I do occasionally go to shows, and I've read a few books on an improv, and it's a very interesting subject. It's also helped me like uh, in completely 
unrelated uh, parts uh, of my life. Mm. Uh, like a, I've been I've been a musician for a long time, mm. and uh, practicing improv has helped uh, with being in like jam bands yeah. and things like ah. that. Mm. Just being able to read the people around you is mm. a useful skill in a lot of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And taking and taking a. A failure as maybe not like oh well let's start yeah. again but okay like oh well that wasn't what I meant to do but mm. it might be right. better than what I was trying to do so let's have a go with it and that is that is quite handy <laughs> yeah absolutely like a lot of uh, my day to day job has involved me being in kind of by panel discussions or mm. in workshop things about quite like complicated policy stuff with often people who are vastly more senior than me and there's something about There's something that I very much credit improv with of always being able to kind of come up with a comment or an understanding or respond to things uh, and just having that extra confidence to reshape the thing you were going to say, to draw quickly on the knowledge that you have and reapply it to a kind of slightly changed circumstance. And I don't think that every fun, silly skill that you take joy in needs to have application in your working life to be mm, valid. Sure. But like it's for me it super has. It just often does. You know, yeah, yeah, it absolutely yeah. has. In day-to-day life, uh I'm a much more relaxed person because I can read what people around me are doing, so I'm less likely to panic. Mm. And like, yeah, I'm better at job stuff. This is so interesting for me to hear because I've never I've always been this kind of loud person. <laughs> like I was never shy. <laughs> I was like pretty young i was like i want to be on stage and yell at people um so i've never had to really get over any fears like that and then of course like i said i never thought of the tabletop stuff i did as improv i thought of it as I thought I, I thought those were like new skills I was learning in terms of how to play a game. I mean, it's a combination of the um, two. And for me, it was really revolutionary to realize, oh, adults also play. Yeah. Play is yeah. important at mm. all stages of life. And I can mm-hmm. be silly and pretend to do things. But when Googling adult play, you have to be very careful. As long <laughs> oh, as you keep that in mind. Safe search on. It's yeah. fine. Adult <laughs> play, but they also play and you just need to know which the, what the difference is and you'll be all right what do you think you need to be good at improv i think one thing you don't need is to be good at jokes and mm. it's very important that that you don't think that when mm. you go in as well because a, a lot a lot a lot of early improv is gosh i need to make some jokes and that's almost the antithesis of improv can you go into that a little bit more Tim? yeah so there there is a so, so, so real, the real fundamentals of, of improv is agreeing with and building upon somebody mm-hmm. else's stuff. You know, they give mm. you, they give you an, you call it an offer, they give you something, some sort of theme or some sort of topic or some sort of, you know, it could be a sentence, whatever. And then you build upon it and you build a world together and it continues. A joke by its very nature is a, a closing off and, and an ending like a joke is kind of an end point so if you start, uh-huh. start a scene and you think oh that's funny and i'll make you know somebody's like oh well, there's these things happen these things happening jokes are often subversive mm-hmm. so if like it's these things happen these things happening oh well actually i'm gonna say these things aren't happening because that's what you thought was going on and they're not mm. and now it's over and the scene can't really continue in that traditional joke format now you can have a big discussion about well you know jokes come in different forms but in the kind of the very stand-up-y traditional joke format 
what you're basically doing is, en- is ending scenes. Mm. And it's also very difficult for the other person to interact with you on that joke because you know what the joke is, but they don't. So all mm. of these things mean that if you come into it with an attitude of I'm going to make jokes and punchlines, you're going to have a lot of scenes that have a good funny bit in them and then have to stop because you've ended them in, mm. in some way. I see. And, and I think building on that, the, the thing that you need, but which I think with work you can very much build and learn from improv, so you don't need to start out with it, is a capacity to trust and a willingness Mm. to trust and a kind of vulnerability and taking seriously other people's trust in you. Mm. So if you're going out on stage uh, without a script in mind, uh, the only thing that you can rely on is the other people there. And so long as you trust them absolutely, you will come up with something entertaining, especially if you have Mm -hmm. practised for a long time and you know that the other person has similar kinds of structures and end goals and ideas in their mind. But even if things begin to go a bit belly up or uh, if they begin to go really, really well and you can kind of see where the game is in the scene. Oh, we can talk about the game in a bit as well. That's probably key. Um. But like, if you can see where the scene is going, you can trust that the other person is seeing a similar kind of thing, or you trust that they will pick up what you're putting down and that they know that they can put down stuff that you will also pick up and that you will do that building together. Mm. Um, And that's why I think the improv's really cool as a thing to do, um, even just as an exercise. It is uh, very good if, for whatever reason, trust in social situations is something that you struggle with or something that makes you anxious um, not necessarily if you're shy, that's one thing. Uh, if you just like sometimes get anxious, if you struggle to understand what's going on, if you find yourself sometimes getting aggressive because you don't really, that in my case, would I just didn't always understand what people's expressions meant. So lots of learning and practice. You just mm. learn that trust is okay and can get you to a good place mm. and you practice off stage, and then good things happen. And so it's it's kind of something that you need to have but you really, I suppose, only need to come to it willing to learn it. Yeah. Because yeah. Y- you can learn it by doing. And you, and you, and you, and you will be crap. Like yeah. there's, no getting, there's no getting around <laughs> it. You've got to go in with an attitude rather than a skill because yeah. un- unless you've already <laughs> done it, well, that you know, it'd be like, I'm going to take up archery. Oh, I'm bad at archery, so I shouldn't do it. Well, what did you expect? You know, mm. you'll go in to need <laughs> right. to. Oh, no, abort- I didn't hit the target. Bah! <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I suppose that the thing that often I think keeps people away is practicing something and failing quietly and privately mm-hmm. on your own is one thing. Mm. You have to do improv in public. So mm-hmm. you have to fail in front of other people, which is what makes it difficult, but which also makes mm-hmm. it very valuable. Mm-hmm. Because mostly improv is getting out of your own way and realising that they're not failures. They are opportunities to do, to sound like a really horrible sales seminar. <laughs> Every failure is an opportunity to grow. Um, and I actually So keep investing in my scheme. <laughs> I have a very reasonably priced pamphlet that you can buy on this subject. <laughs> um, yeah, getting out your own way and not worrying about failure, and because mm-hmm. I think kind of back to my point about making jokes, you don't make the jokes. Mm. You hang around in the right headspace until jokes occur around yeah. you. They will happen. It's mm-hmm. almost impossible mm. for them to not, unless you are in such a serious space that they couldn't possibly. And even then, I think improv is quite a good way of taking yeah. really quite serious topics 
very carefully yep. mm-hmm. uh, and um, engaging in humour in them because, you know, you just kind of state the facts and the humour in them emerges because, in a way mm, that, you know. Like some of the the biggest laughs that I've had in improv have been watching people that are really skilled in doing pretty serious stuff and are even doing quite tragic scenes. But human experience is inherently hilarious, right? Like even even yeah. the awful bits... And like in in the absolute darkest times of my life, there has been like absurdity, if not yeah. levity. Mm. Um, and so you can have like I'm, I'm literally like thinking of something and cracking up now. Like this thing that people did a scene where some clearly someone had died and it was awful and they were grieving and someone had come over and tried to help, but like it was just that. So they were trying to hold the other person's grief as like the center of the thing. They made a lasagna and they realized there were no oven gloves and they were just like desperately trying to listen and hear and like, but also the lasagna was burning. And so like (laughs) in that like panicking, trying to hold, and we've all kind of been there of trying Mm. to hold someone else's like emotions and their mental headspace as like the center. Mm -hmm. So while concentrating, just grabs the lasagna pan without the oven gloves. And then the other person turns around and just starts opening up. It's just standing there like holding (laughs) the whole thing. And I still remember it, even though that was like four or five years ago, I saw that scene they're like the, the, the thing that is genuinely recognizable and would be so hard to write about um but emerges from that complete trust of people that are in the same space that have built this thing and mm-hmm. then like it going slightly more absurd but like yeah. honestly it was funny at the stages before that where he was trying to do quite normal things while completely holding this person's like grief in mind and like just struggling with the awkwardness of it but then it just escalated and became more and more strange but because it was still trying to be so serious it was still <laughs> hilarious the thing that i always struggled with uh in in you know with improv in the form uh that i do it at least um and i think is something that you really need to be good at uh, is killing your darlings. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think that's huge in improv. Um, you know, anytime I've run a tabletop game and I've come in with a bunch of plot points lined out and a bunch of plans and encounters and things to do, goes off the rails Im- so immediately. So lovingly crafted. So lovingly crafted. Yeah, over so hours. lovingly crafted. It, it goes off the rails with a single decision 10 minutes in, and I have to, you know, to make up everything from then on anyway. And I think. <sighs> It's taught me that that's you know I'll 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 go into a situation with a, some idea of how things are gonna go, but for the most part, he I've I've learned to not be as attached to mm-hmm. things like that, and I think that's a lot of the same in improv. You know, you can't really like you were saying, Tim, you can't go in there with like you know, jokes, you know, already starting to be formed and, and preconceived, like, things that you're going to do or else it's it's going to put you in a box. And mm-hmm. I think uh, just building off of, of what Lydia was saying on trust, it's, it's trust Such in the other... improviser. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's trust in the other people, but it's also, it's a lot of trust in yourself yes. to recognize that, like, you know, I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to have situations that I don't, know how to respond immediately and I'm gonna have to trust that the first thing that comes out of my mouth is gonna be <laughs> the right path and even if it's not it's the path I'm going down anyway and mm, absolutely yeah. 
Yeah, I th- and that's one of the reasons why I think it gives you a kind of confidence that is like necessarily not cocky. Yeah. Like it's it's a confidence that comes from like knowing that you can cope but not but that isn't a confidence that makes you want to become the star is like yeah right. the kind of yeah. confidence where you can give it to someone else and yeah. be like ah okay what you've got is good so you have it because yeah, the, yeah. the show will be good as opposed to i will exactly. come out the other end of it looking really bloody smart mm-hmm. it's like hot potato of confidence yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um it's been really interesting listening to you all talk because this is a i asked this question what do you think you need to be good at improv without knowing what my own answer was? Mm. And so now I have lots and lots of thoughts. What is your answer? So what I reckon after, you know, reluctantly realising that I am indeed an improviser myself. Mm-hmm. Um, Such a shameful admission. I, I am Helen. I'm an improviser. Hi, Helen. <laughs> okay, you're with friends. I've been showing off now for six years. <laughs> <laughs> I think I feel like I am I worry that I'm about to like just summarize what everyone said but I think that one of the things that you do need to be good at improv is like an ability to uh <laughs> No, I'm going to say it with the phrase that's coming into my head. Mm-hmm. The, the the ability to sort of just cast yourself on the mercy of whoever else is on the stage. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. It feels to me like it's a it's a it's a trapeze act. Yeah. Um that one where you're dangling ups- upside down and they're dangling upside down, you have to let go and they have to catch you. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm very, actually very lucky that um, the majority of my improv-, improv experience has been specifically improv experience where I've been aware that it is meant to be a lighthearted sort of comedy type show, despite what the plot um, <laughs> despite says. Despite all the evidence <laughs> and content. <Yes. laughs> The scene um, opens, I'm covered in blood, time for fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I've been very lucky to have a group around me that I could trust. Yeah. And um, that trust did have to build, I think, because um, I didn't know Alex and I didn't know Brim, like, at all, hmm. for that first um, for that first audition episode, the one in which I play a character with, with no name, Um what, what, do you? I, I I can't remember who that was. Yeah, it's a weird it's a weird one that, you know, it was my audition episode and yet I did not have a character. <laughs> it's um, strange. It's strange how that happened. <laughs> For listeners not in the know, this is an in-joke about the Beowulf episodes of Rusty Cool Gaming. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't actually forgotten Helen's performance. It, it was an incredible performance. <laughs> <laughs> and, and genuinely, that, that, can that bring us into the discussion of the game? Because that was a perfect example of a game in improv. Do you know what? We're going to go to a break and we'll talk about it afterwards. <laughs> oh no, Lydia has died. Lydia has unfortunately died and will not be able to appear in the rest of this episode of Enthusiasm. See you soon. But that is unfortunate because the rest of this episode will be talking about the game. Yeah. They would have loved this if only they weren't dead now. <laughs> very sad, very sad. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
And welcome back. So, Lydia, please elaborate about the game. I am dead and therefore <laughs> cannot. Lydia is dead and we have killed them. Yes. Much like God. Yeah. Much like God is uh, is my band name. Um, <laughs> such a such a very sort of like chill way. I'm I'm much like God. No, I'm not. I'm not God. I'm just you know. <laughs> yeah, like, let's like not go overboard. Come it's on. very similar. Overboard. Bring your neck in, Mike. You know, <laughs> uh, the game in improv uh, is is it's basically something that keeps happening, but more. Yeah. Okay. So um, in the break, you wanted to bring up uh, the first game I played with the RQG lot as a good example. Yes. Um, And I do think that is a good idea because we should not assume that everybody who listens to this podcast even knows who we are. So um, (laughs) what happened was the first time we recorded, uh, I recorded with Rustical Gaming to uh, replace uh, James Ross, my nemesis. Um, He had left and he needed another player. And so my audition episode was a three-parter called Thanes of Beowulf. And we were all given the same character sheet. Um, We were all barbarians. So the only things that we could change, we all had the same stats and everything. The only things that we could change were like names and personalities. And we all we all had uh, proficiency in bagpipes as well. I remember that. I don't think that really came up. No. But that's fine. You kill your darlings. You do. Yeah. You do. Alex sitting there thinking, but I've written such a good bagpipe scene. When will they get to the bagpipe festival? <laughs> so um, I decided my character was called Ulf the Unremembered and that he was cursed by a witch that everybody would forget who he was because he was very concerned with building a legacy. But he pissed off a witch and she... Um, said, well, no one will ever remember you ever again. And it continued from there. Yes. Uh, every time I said something in a scene, everyone's like, who are you? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, uh, what, what was, you kept saying a stowaway. It would, it would often be genuine delight that you'd turned up because we were playing barbarians who were quite distracted and not necessarily academically inclined. So like Bryn was playing a so, someone who was either obsessed with or kept killing bears. Yeah. Um, And, and kept pointing bears out when they weren't actually bears, but he just kept turning around in delight. like, a friend, a new friend. Where did you come from? Uh, and lots of things. And even to the point where we'd swum down to the bottom of a lake uh, in the middle of nowhere, having fought a leopard or something. Yeah. Uh, which was like, oh, hello. Good. Fancy seeing you here, new friend. Blah, 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 blah. You know, underwater. And it, it just kept happening. But the, the fact that, it was the thing that then people in the Discord, people on Twitter and Tumblr and whatever were yeah. still making the jokes because it's a nice, simple game. The point yeah. is that you're yeah. always doing fascinating things. You're part of the dr- the group. You're doing the thing. And then you're not like, oh, hello, new friend. And it's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it became, it, it ended up being like part of what determined the ending of that one shot. Yeah. Because eventually uh, Ulf got so fed up with no remembering who he was. Yep. Killed the entire village. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was like, you don't know who I am. I remember that, you bastards. <laughs> and, and it was the fact that we, and, and I think it's just a really lovely example of what you, what, We'd all been saying about like confidence and trust. Like it was genuinely, I think, quite scary for everyone. Like you 
coming for your first audition because of course James we'd lost to the the mm. you know the tragedy of parenthood. Um yeah, we mourn for him every day. I mean day. I, I shouldn't say I I am the godmother of the child so like yeah. I'm I'm so pro you know I'm pro the child. Yeah. Um but, Not but you, you know, set off the call but okay no continue. Yeah. What? No what? <laughs> hey, what? No. What? So what's that? Um <laughs> but like you know we'd had the same people around the table for quite a while yeah. and I was like oh can we can we do this without and James is very loud and funny can we do this without James? And you turned up and you didn't know half the people there. And the other two of us, you knew from very different contexts, right? Like mm. we knew each other. And from... not that well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the fact is that you set something up that was funny. And then like there was this sort of, sort of like tentative, like, oh, who are you? And you just ran with it. And so it could escalate and escalate and escalate. And we, by the end, were just like absolutely in tears of laughter. <laughs> A game is something, as you say, it happens more than once. Patterns and repetition are inherently funny. Yeah. Ask any toddler. Um, <laughs> but a good one is a, is, is a game that everyone can play. Like, mm. it's not exclusionary. It's, it, it, by its very nature, anybody can join in. Mm. And not only does it make it funny, but it also makes it fun, mm. which are two different things, because there are many things that are very funny, but not fun at all. Yeah. Mm. Um, but improv try, try, tries to be both. Doesn't always succeed, but it tries. Yeah, yeah. That's really useful. Are there any other like improv terms that we should talk about or know? Well, there's, um, there's, we've already talked about yes and, which is about building yeah. on. I don't think we defined it though. Mm-hmm. It's just the rule. A, a concept. It's a concept very bluntly delivered by the phrase yes and. Mm. Somebody says something and you say yes, that is the case, and that. And when you start, you you literally mm. there are exercises where you say yes and, but it's more a habit because mm. you can say no. Yeah. Like you can say the words no, mm. while still totally accepting everything somebody's yeah. given to you and building upon it. Like refusing to recognise that Ulf exists. Yeah. Like we, <laughs> our denial of Ulf's existence and character was our yesing to your game. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Um, I want to uh, talk about if we have any favourite sketches that we've seen or done. Or, like, good improvisational moments that you've enjoyed. And, uh, Gabrielle, I am going to come to you on this. I want you to start us off, if that's okay. Has there ever been something where... Because you said that you've been DMing for a while and you found that if you ever planned anything, it went off the rails. So did, did you ever, like, cope with something you were like, oh, that was quite good, actually? So my current entire... Uh, campaign that I've been running for about a year and a half has been one long improv. Oh, really? Um, my players don't know that. Um, they frequently ask to see my notes. Um, <laughs> and, you know, th- they want to see, you know, everything that I've planned out in the sprawling uh, campaign that I've created for them. I wrote notes for, like, the first chapter... <laughs> And then they took over from there. Um, <laughs> You've been holding blank sheaves of paper this whole time. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, well, the uh, the great thing is we do it uh, over Discord. Ah. So I'm just like, oh, yes, I am looking at my notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally not just thinking of what to do next. <laughs> uh, in the past, I've, I've DM'd uh, that, you know, I've planned out a lot more, but... I just I knew this group of people. Um, I've known them for you know a long time. They're my friends, um, and I just I wanted to s- to be a bit more loose with this one. And so, 
they've been, you know, the, a lot of the decision, like every plot point at this point is a result of a decision that they've made at some point. And it's just, it's interesting when tabletop games are, you know, more collaborative, I feel like. Yeah. Um, there was, and and I guess the example that I was leading towards is there was a little, there was a chapter that we played that had a um, a huge plot twist at the end, right? Um, uh, I, I won't go in, into it because that's not going to be interesting to anyone but me uh, and this group. But, you know, there was a point like four sessions into this chapter that one of my players, uh, like I heard, you know, them get an idea and they said, oh my God, like this clue, this clue and this clue, like this is the plot twist of the chapter. <laughs> like that's Like that's insane. And I'm sitting there like, that was all coincidence, but that's a brilliant idea for <laughs> for a plot twist. You know what? You guessed it. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> yes, I have been carefully placing all of these clues this entire chapter. It definitely didn't just all happen to line up. And I think the reason it lined up was because this campaign has been so collaborative that it's just things like that naturally yeah. come out of the story. Oh, so yeah. So no one, t- and no one, tell my players that there aren't actually any notes for this campaign. <laughs> <laughs> That's the true well, plot twist. <laughs> yeah, it's between us and however many listeners we get. It's a really good magic trick that you described there, and it's what we often use in in the stage version. Like we'll we'll do shows, and people come up to us and go, "It was so." cool how you had this bit and you had that bit and then they came together and they all did this and I'll be going I, I didn't notice that, <laughs> that happened um, but I'm not going to tell you that because A right. I want to look real good and B no one likes to be told like oh no 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 that wasn't that it's so much more fun to be like yeah right. isn't that great how it all came together <laughs> plan from the start it's a great life skill take credit where you can get it really yeah, do I should do that more often <laughs> yeah. actually I'm yeah I can be honest to a fault, so yeah. I will try and I will try and make people feel good by making them feel clever in future. Yeah, um, and and sort of to, to to kind of build on that a little bit, the the favorite like source of games and source of fun is often in oh we can use some terminology the cross initiation where you both come with a thing and you both basically Ooh. lay it on the table at the same time and you see what that does so you mm. neither of you knows what's going on but you lay it out and go right mm. what's now what's now happened because you'll come up with stuff that you would never have come up with if you sat down together and thought right let's think of a fun scene I have a good example of of that in a scene that that I can remember was ages ago we were doing a show at the comedia and I came on at the back and started filling a hot air balloon. At the same time, two of the other performers came at the front uh, and started breaking up. So so they were having quite an intense breaking up scene. And I've already established myself as a man midway through filling a hot air balloon. So immediately the implication is they've come for a hot air balloon date and midway there they've realised actually we're breaking up. And so as the conversation goes on, I'm inflating... And deflating the balloon, depending on how I reckon it's going. So that's like, you know what? I think they're going to make it through this. Let's fill up the balloon. Oh no, that was a that was a mistake to say. This is over. So I'm just at the back as a sort of a weird relationship barometer. Um, and neither of us came up with that. And for most of the start of the scene, they didn't know what I was doing because they were facing out and I was behind. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, we, we we wouldn't have come up with that as an idea. 
Aww. But it sort of just emerged, and everyone was like, "Oh God, what a good joke!" And right. you're like, "Yes, one that we made." Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> right, made it. What about you, Lid? Do you have a favourite thing you've done? Um, so a few things stand out from like my old in the old uh, fat kitten days, where there were scenes that went like unexpectedly emotional. Like there was mm. one where me and Bryn did a scene in like rehearsal where it was an alphabet scene where you have to start every line with the next letter of the alphabet. It's just one of the many like ah. exercises you do to kind of get your mm. brain going. And it just turned into this thing where he was like old grizzled tube maintenance worker. And I was uh, like young newbie, like on, uh, on my work experience. And the crux of it was that there are terrible ancient monsters and down in the tubes and that is what you hear scream when the train's coming through and he had a massive gun and I just had a stick because it turned out when it was my turn to say something that it was the letter S so he's like and that's why I gave you a and I was like stick Stick. <laughs> and so there's this like well you know and then we we head off deep into the into the tunnels and there was a like you know will we you know w will we come back <laughs> why i don't know um <laughs> thing and I've, i had that with a couple of things i had like a end of the world one with james ross on stage i remember where it was just like we were i think we were like burning a television or something and he was trying to tell me what was on tv before the world ended and I was being some kind of, again, weird kid that didn't apocalypse know. Apocalypse team. Yeah, apocalypse scene that didn't know about, like, pop TV references. And it was just Bottled quite... water. All right, granddad. Yeah. Quiet down. Uh, yeah, was that like The Simpsons? They'll be gone. You know, whatever. And, like, those things where y- y- something just works and it was it's, it's good. I, I remember those. But I think one of the things... Recently, is I've gotten into uh, so I obviously I do um, a lot of like foresight research work for um, different kinds of innovation companies and stuff. And I got uh, over the last few years, I've been doing more teaching with that. So I've been teaching a master's course on uh, future thinking and world building, and I have basically turned a few like improv games into things that the students can do. Um, as part of this design course where they're they're coming up with a world and problems to solve and new technologies and then they're using that for their kind of design course Um, and it's just been kind of amazing where doing improv with no expectation of comedy Mm. um, sort of seeing people come up with really strange and sometimes very dark and often absurd sort of ideas for weird new tech and then People that sort of come in quite awkwardly being like, I'm an engineer. And then by the end, they're telling quite a kind of deep and complex story because I've set them up with like, they have to create an object. They have to create some like characters and they don't know that they're doing really basic improv games. Okay. So we've actually, we're actually nearly at the end of the episode. We're going to have to call this episode to a close. This, (laughs) I think this has been a very good episode. I'm very pleased with all of you. Thank you very much. We did it. We did podcast. We did. We did storytell word thing. Woo. This has been lovely. This has been generally lovely. Um, Listeners, I hope you have enjoyed it too. And I will see you in the next episode. But for now, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from all of my lovely guests. Do you all want to say goodbye? Bye. Bye. Prego. (laughs) You're terrible.
Enthusiasm is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike 4.0 International License. It is directed by Helen Gould, produced by Lori Ann Davis, with executive producers Alexander J. Newell and April Sumner, and edited by Marissa Ewing, Tessa Vroom, Jeffrey Nils Gardner and Catherine Ranella. Thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello, all. It's Helen here, the voice of Azu from Rusty Quill Gaming, and the host and director of Enthusiasm. Today, I'm here to tell you about The Program. The Program audio series is a science fiction anthology podcast set in a world where money, state, and God are fused into a single entity. Every episode is a standalone story featuring ordinary people inhabiting this extraordinary world. And for them, it's not the future that is terrifying but our present. The programme is sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, but it is always smart. Find out more about the programme at www.rustyquill.com or www.programaudioseries.com or search for the programme audio series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have fun and enjoy the episode.